You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. I promise I did this before. Huzzah! <laughs> Alan Seiler. I don't even know how to follow that. And Veronica Dashel. Hi! <laughs> and, and, and just to clarify, it's not Huzzah from the Renaissance Festival. No, no. Right. but we'll get to that later in the show, because first we've got some news. <laughs> <laughs> it's very appropriate for this week's episode. Oh, yeah. It That's is, right. isn't it? <laughs> Have you guys heard of the company Anovos? I, I don't think so. No. It's a, a big company that has a lot of Star Trek prop replicas, costume replicas, things like that. Okay. Uh, sort of notorious for taking years to follow up on orders. <laughs> yeah, because everything's custom made, right? Right. Well, everything's I, crafted to the... I don't know if that's true. I don't know oh, okay. that much don't about because I've never ordered from them. But uh, right. it seems like they've disappeared, uh, gone out of business, mm. and um, their their website is now redirecting to a new company, Denuo Novo. <laughs> wow, I love I the to, name. I had to We're look close. to make sure it wasn't just Anovos, like in different a different order. You know? Yeah. They've not confirmed they're doing Star Trek. Uh, licensing yet, but they are doing Star Wars licensing and taking up a lot of the back orders because people are sort of freaking out right now. People who have like mm. a, like way of waiting for thousands of dollars worth of replicas and things from Anovos, and then their website yeah. goes dark. He's worrying. Um, Ouch! Yeah, but, of course. Uh, but Denuo Novo has said that they're, they're they are doing Star Wars merchandising, and they will be um, picking up the back orders from Anovos for Star Wars products. But they've not confirmed that they're doing that for Star Trek yet. So. Mm. Um, Sort of a developing situation. So if anyone out there has any um, experience with the Novos, I've never ordered from them, but um, I know a lot of people who do that. They make the sort of the the, the nice screen accurate looking um, Star Trek costumes and things like that. They cost a lot of money and apparently take a lot of time to get. I don't know that they're custom made for people or if they're just slow. I don't know what the situation would be. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, if you're if you're if you've got an outstanding order with a Novos, maybe uh, follow this. Uh, this new situation because uh, yeah, it, I know it's frustrating when you order something, it takes forever to get it. And then the company goes out of business. It's uh, I know them more from uh, like the costumes and stuff. Uh, I, okay. I don't know what all merchandise and Novo sold. I know that they're sort of famous for their costume replicas. Okay. Um, so if you wanted a Starfleet, a Starfleet costume, I mean, you've got like the party city version or you've got like a Novo, some different ends of the spectrum, you know, <laughs> well, party uh, city's in my budget. So <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> I, I didn't know if there was a company whose name completely escapes me, but I, I know I have them bookmarked in my browser. There was a company you could go to and buy full models built of starships that would have lights and engines and so forth. And, mm. but these things I'm talking on the cheap end was $1,900 a ship. And sometimes they're as much as $5,000 a it, ship. Is Amazing. it the Rutherford company? It may be. I mean, it, it, no, <laughs> good one. <laughs> yeah. I forget the name of the company, but I don't think that's it, but it mm. was one that I'll have to find it and send you guys. It's amazing. I mean, if I had $5,000, I'd plunk it down. They're ma- amazing. Amazing models, but this can't wow. be them. I, I don't need to spend five thousand dollars on a Star Trek model. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like 
Yeah, that's one of those, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. That's like, you know, that's, buying a Jag or something kind of money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I maybe spent $700 on a Borg Cube computer case. Yes. That yes. was, wow. that was that, pretty much just a little <laughs> bit less than what I spent on the internal parts. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, but but it looks really cool. It is. It's actually the the board cube from uh, Picard, the yes. artifact. So it has artifact, light effects sorry. and everything. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Star Trek Online has a new season coming out. It's going to be free to play called Reflections involving uh, the mirror universe. Um, I know uh, a lot of people out there are Star Trek Online players. Veronica, you're big into games. Have you ever played Star Trek Online? Um, I've attempted to. I was more into... There was another one that was really big for a while where you had ships and you collected ships and you collected crew members. And I'm not remembering what it's called. Okay. Wasn't there one called Ship Collector? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe. <laughs> the new storyline on Star Trek Online is following um, Admiral Lita from the Mirror Universe. And they've got Chase Masterson in it. And it seems like oh, it's going nice. Free to play, and um, you know, there's obviously going to be in game purchases and things like that. Uh, so if anyone's looking at checking out Star Trek Online, you know, can't beat free. Did you say Admiral Lita? Admiral yeah. Lita. So I guess in the mirror universe, Lita is an admiral. I did not know that. I didn't either. It would be kind of cool to see her do something other than go, Oh, Rom, so much. <laughs> and uh, and well, she may still do that. You don't know. Oh, hey, it's a good That's point. True. True. <laughs> he he could be Rom? her chief engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Is Rom still alive in the mirror universe? I don't want to spoil anything, but there was some stuff that went on there at one point in time with the, yeah. uh, remember that the intendant and the, the crazy wharf. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how, how Rom fared in the mirror universe. And yeah. Um, but I know they, they pick up on a lot of storylines on Star Trek online and it's set X number of years after the, you know, continuing a lot of storylines from, from the shows. <laughs> so um, interesting. Did, did you guys see the new uh, space force uniforms? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the jokes that accompanied them. Yes. A lot of, <laughs> comparing them to Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica primarily, but I'm sure um, a lot of other sci-fi as well. They have that sort of uh, that sort of look. Mm-hmm. At least they've got the the sci-fi look. Yeah. 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 They reminded me of those um, that Picard uniform from the painting in the in the season two trailer of the the evil <laughs> the evil uh, timeline. <laughs> Um, but good. I can see the, the Battlestar Galactica comparison is pretty apt too. They've got a very Battlestar Galactica. Look. Yeah, it's a dead ringer almost. Yeah. And when you're talking black uniforms like that, they also remind me of the uniforms worn by some of the people in the um, in the David Lynch Dune movie. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, good point. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Yeah. They, they have that kind of the same look with that. Yeah. It's funny that kind of, that, that kind of look goes in and out. You know, both in society and in, in shows. I remember when um, both battles. To your point, Charles, both Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek went with dark uniforms, mm-hmm. and it looked so cool, <laughs> and everybody loved it. And then a few years later, people are like, "Hey, this is not Gene's vision. Everybody's wearing dark. It looks depressing. <laughs> Let's get back to colors and stuff like that." So yeah. even how we dress and stuff it reflects, I guess, the times. I guess so. So what are you saying? What are you saying about our times? Given, given this, <laughs> I mean, every house is gray now. Outside, inside, floors, <laughs> ceilings. Have you looked at new houses? That is all they are is gray. It's terrible. It's, it's horrible. It? I it I'm a big fan of color, mm-hmm. and uh, any house that I have is going to be every room a different bold color, like the current place. Yeah. Well, I I, t- I don't do more than two colors per room. Typically, I could, you know, if I had five rooms and I had eight colors to pick from, I might combine, you know, 
<laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought. To your point, I thought the uniforms were. I thought they were interesting looking too. They do look. Mm, they're making a statement, but I'm not sure what that statement is. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of them. I just don't think they yeah. look very good. Yeah, they kind. They do kind of look I mean, like you're busting in somebody's house and arresting somebody or something weird. Well. They're in space, so there's not a whole lot of houses to bust into. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I swear to God, just go with the maroon uniforms from the, you know, the TOS movies. That's a much, much sharper look than what we've got now. Yeah. 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 yeah it does seem like if, you, if you're trying to do a sci-fi style uniform, you've got a lot to choose from, you know, like <laughs> look, yeah. at, look at what works. Yeah, exactly. I keep saying all the time, I really love the, the uniforms from Enterprise. All right, Keith, did you have some news as well? Yeah, who here is a Dungeons and Dragons fan or has played? Me. Yeah, eh, kind of. You, Alan, you, Charles? No, nah, I'm not. Yeah, I never have been. I played Dungeons and Dragons maybe once in my life, but I know a lot of people still love it. And of course, a lot of people will roll, uh, role playing. And one of the things that's really interesting is we have a lot of Trek, Trek people who like Dungeons and Dragons and who play regularly. And this week, I didn't realize we're, there's a thing called D&D Celebration 2021 that's going on, started today and goes through the 26th. And on tomorrow at 2 p.m., there's going to be a live streaming of a D&D game you can catch on YouTube and Twitch. And the people playing that D&D game are going to be, Alan, you have to help me here, Noah. Everbot Cats. Noah Everbot Cats, right? Anthony Rapp. Blue Del Barrio, Mary Weissman, and Ian, Ian Alexander. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've been playing regularly for a while yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. regular crew. Yeah, Anthony Rapp is, uh, is Anthony Rapp is one of the Rapp is one of the people, and Noah. They're old school gamers. They they love mm-hmm. online gaming. They love gaming. They have for a long time, and they got a lot of the other people into it. So now they have a, a regular Dungeons and Dragons thing. They 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 game a lot. They do tabletop gaming together. And tomorrow, for those who are interested, they're going to be doing 2 p.m. Eastern time. They're going to be doing a live Dungeons and Dragon session. So this pretty is pretty interesting. This is tomorrow, actual tomorrow, not tomorrow after this episode. Yeah, you have out. to talk to the people who are listening. That's right. <laughs> September 24th. Yeah, sorry. September 24th, 2 p.m. So find the Eastern previously oh, streamed episode right. on YouTube or yeah, something. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. That was going to be my question. Is it going to be available after the fact? I read that it was going to be available for recording. I don't have any more information past that, but I'll check okay. that as well. But it's supposed to be recorded for you to view after that. I, awesome. I am betting Noah will post something on his mm-hmm. Twitter once it's yeah. readily available. Yeah. He is oh, yeah. big on Twitter. Good point. Okay. That was the Trek news I had. Yeah. Did you have any this week in Trek this week? I did. And by the way, on Trek news, I was going to say, if you ever want some Trek news, we can always just go find something that Shatner said somewhere. <laughs> there is literally always a quote from Shatner every week on something. Uh, you know what? Speaking of Shatner, his new album comes out um, Friday, the, Friday the 24th, which will be a few days before this podcast does, which I'm actually really looking forward to. I like it. It sounds like he's doing another, like a genuine album rather than just a novelty record. He does a lot of the uh-huh. so bad it's good style novelty stuff. <laughs> But um, his has been album that he did with Ben Folds uh, back in like 2003, I thought was really great. Um, but the the album that he's got coming out tomorrow, this from what I've heard of it, sounds sounds awesome. So, you know, oh. if you're into that kind of thing, check it out. It'll be out before this podcast is. Didn't he do Rocket Man? The Rocket Man cover was that Shatner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the so bad it's good, right? That's right. 
Uh, but probably <laughs> not as bad as Leonard Nimoy with the Bilbo Baggins. Actually, it's about as bad. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So okay, we're ready to move on. We've got a little bit of um, some Star Trek. Just like this week in Trek, we got. Um, usually, what I look at is birthdays and notable events, and there's one notable event we'll get to. But starting out with birthdays, we had a couple this week. Um, this is an interesting one. John Logan was born on September 23rd, 1961. Okay. And this, for those who may know, John Logan has done a lot of writing for things from like, things contributing to Gladiator to Alien Covenant. But what he is most famous and perhaps infamous for is the primary screenwriter for Star Trek Nemesis. Okay. Yeah. And Alan, we talked about that last week a little bit on Nemesis about how people, how many people like Nemesis can't stand Nemesis. And you know, some people really love it. I mean, really hate it. And some people say, eh, it was okay. <laughs> so John Logan born 1961. Another birthday on September 23rd, 1957 was the birthday of one Rosalind Chow. Yeah. Also known as Mrs. Keiko O'Brien from yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She's all over the place. She, she yeah. shows up at things all the time. She's I really like her as an actress. And I know we, we've talked about this before, but um, Keiko is often considered to be just a really unliked character by a lot of people. A lot of people find her shrill and they talk about the fact she's always yelling at Miles because he left his socks around and things like that. And I think it's definitely one of those cases where it's not the actress, it was the writers who was primarily men. They didn't know how to write for a woman. And also it's Star Trek. And Star Trek had for years has had this thing where, you know, basically relationships, especially permanent ones, they're just not going to work out because you're going to go into the service, that kind of thing. And they just they don't think they knew how to write for them. Mm. And they just they were always fighting. It was a real weird thing. They were almost like a weird comic relief. So I actually think the best couple that Star Trek has ever had, in my opinion, is still probably Cisco and Cassidy Yates, okay. because at least yeah. they didn't they didn't have any foolishness around them. Uh, yeah. I like them as a couple. Yeah, I like Keiko. And I, I think if you if you if you watch it, I mean, often she's right. <laughs> True. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another birthday. On September 23rd, 1959, um, also most famous is George Costanza. Yeah. But Jason Alexander yep. was born on uh, 1959. He had an episode. He was in an episode of Voyager called Think Tank. You know that one, Veronica? I, I remember him being on a Voyager episode, but I don't <laughs> remember the episode. It was the one he he led what little they call the think tank of brilliant aliens who went around the galaxy. Oh, and solving they, problems. they they were trying to steal seven or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who wasn't trying to steal seven <laughs> in the Delta right. Quadrant? <laughs> she was cool. It was an interesting episode. He was he was so unlike George Costanza. It's not even funny. He was extremely quiet and 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 just controlled in the episode. And I'm used to George Costanza running all over the place. Uh, Alexander's a longtime Star Trek fan, so he was he was delighted to be on the show, and I, I thought he did a pretty yeah. good job. And spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Later on in, uh, in that episode, they actually mentioned that his think tank solved the phage, which was that disease that was running around that part of the Delta Quadrant. Remember the, the, yeah. the, the people that would show up trying to steal body parts? Yeah, the Vidians. Uh, the Vidians, right. And I always thought it was really weirdly anticlimactic. That's how the phage was. This, they just said, we solved it, and that was it. And we never heard anything about it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple other things. Um, I thought this was fairly significant. On this day, September 23rd in 1989, 
the season, the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation premiered with the episode Evolution. And you might say, why do we care about the third season of, of Star Trek The Next Generation as opposed to the first or the second or the last one? There is that thing that started going around after the original series that the third se season of most of the series were the best seasons. And that's still kind of holding up. And having watched a lot of Next Generation recently, I do see that the third season is when um, Beverly Crusher was back after having been off a year and been replaced by Catherine Pulaski. You start getting the um, the uh, episodes like Who Watches the Watchers, which is the Proto-Vulcans. You, of course, had the famous Borg episodes, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1. Mm -hmm. And I just think, and I think most people agree, that Season 3 TNG hit its stride. All yeah. the stuff kind of gelled. So that's why I'm always mm -hmm. excited to see that Season 3 premiered. Yeah, and I, and I think it helped them, too, to get out of the onesies and into more comfortable version of the uniforms that Absolutely. they have a little I, there's no way you can move around in in those onesies you know I Absolutely. hate onesies they're terrible yeah yeah it looks like something you, you would have when you were a kid and they were putting you to sleep in a cradle or something like right also we had the a uh, lot of different special effects we had different music so season three was just was a great jumping off part for next generation and the last thing is charles posted as well on september 24th and i honestly didn't know this it was this long ago discovery premiered in 2017 yeah yeah, I would have bet 2019 or something. I can't believe it's been well, four years. Season four like is about that. to start. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the math adds up. Do the math. <laughs> so, and as, as Charles said in his post, I think we've all had ups and down, up and down relationships with Discovery. Uh, some have loved it from the start. Some have hated it from the start. Some have been a little bit different. I was curious. I was cautiously a fan of it. I like it now much more than I thought I would. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot when it started and then didn't and then did yeah i had i've had a very uh discovery and i we, we break up and make up a lot <laughs> but from season three i i loved and i think they've really found yeah. their stride um like you know not unlike you know ds9 or next gen i feel like they've gotten into their groove now and right. um, I'm really enjoying what they're doing. So I hope that continues in season four. Same here. And that's all the track news this week I have. All right. Then we'll take a quick <laughs> break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And when we come back, we'll get to our discussion topics. So stay right there. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Hello there. I can see you have great taste in podcasts. Keep your discerning streak going with the Soul Forge podcast. No topic is off limits on the Soul Forge. We talk about life, toys, dating, geekiness, love, nerdiness, sex and dating, TV, movies, and just about anything you can think of. Check out the Soul Forge podcast. Soulforgepodcast.com and wherever you find your podcasts. We're everywhere. All right, so this week we're talking about the Lower Decks Season 2 episode, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. Did everybody see this episode this week? No. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I'm kidding. Some crazy person wakes me up early to watch it. Yep. yep. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll notice that last week, 
Veronica was uh, visiting some family, so she didn't complain on the podcast about me waking her up because she got able to wake up when she wanted to to watch it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I missed Uh that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we got some uh, surprising backstory for Andy Billups this week. Right. Did did (laughs) I see that coming? (laughs) No, I would not not have seen him as like the lead story in an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been I mean, he's quiet anyway, but he's been pretty quiet this season yeah and it's interesting because i remember him trying to flirt with other people and now all of a sudden he's like super against mating because then he has to be king or something that, that's he, what i was thinking the entire time who's he flirting with i don't know someone in a bar and then some mar- mariner said something about milk and bones or that was that tendy i don't remember <laughs> okay well done when she was going around and getting the scans for everyone he was like later and and uh, she was scanning him. And- well, that wasn't Billups. That was Steve Stevens. <laughs> that was Ransom's little buddy. That's not the same person? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny. It is. They, look, they, they both have funny. blonde hair and they both have a mustache. <laughs> exactly the same people, obviously. Yeah, one of them wears gold, one of them wears red. Now I'm thinking Magnum P.I. You talk about the mustache. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, we saw Andy uh, at the bar, though, in a different scene. Um, I think a different episode where uh, he was uh, waiting for his daiquiri. He was waiting for like a peach daiquiri or something. When Okay. They keep your pips on, Billups. <laughs> okay. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but anyway, we find out that he's from Renfair Planet. Right. With <laughs> <And, laughs> dragons. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess the, the, the Renfair folks made it into space as well. And they have their own planet where they can pretend that all the science is magic and have pet dragons. And ha- they're having a great time. Veronica, you're a big Renfair person. Yes. Well, not. not big, but well, yes. But you own re- DVDs of Renfair performers and you're on the DVDs. Yes. So, uh, DVD- so you're you're bigger in it than any of us. Than most. I'm yes. sensing. Yes. yes. This, nice. was, this was more of a 16 to 27, 28, 6-ish I don't know phase. There was like a 10 years. But you're not you're not as big as you used to be. That is correct. So well, how did you feel about the Renfair um, portrayal? The Renfair planet? I mean, it seems pretty accurate. <laughs> 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 I mean, the, the types of uh, based on the types of people that like love going to Renaissance festivals and travel around to Renaissance festivals and perform at Renaissance festivals, which would be have been the type of people and their offspring. Um, they would have formed that planet. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. I thought it. I thought it was cute. Uh, we've seen a lot of planets in Star Trek before, where you, they're they're taking like an aspect of human culture and either yeah. you know, Nazis or or whatever Irish planet on Next Gen or um, exactly. Romance oh my novel gosh. Planet. <laughs> I thought this was a really different and really interesting continuation of that trope. Yeah, I thought so too. Good point. People are always making fun about shows like um, like Stargate SG One, where they'll say every week they went to a Ren a Ren Fair planet or something like that. So it was kind of fun. And then uh, I actually happened to watch the episode Cat's Paw from the original series last week because it was on. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My favorite. And- really? There you go. Isn't that great? I'm so sorry. My favorite. <laughs> I love it. But to your point, you know, we all, there's always these jokes about my God, did they just go raid a Ren Fair? And here we go. Yeah. yeah. I thought the design of the the ship was, was really pretty. really nice. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. I love their little uh, docking hatch that has torches inside. Yes. <laughs> so did I. So awesome. we've seen that before, where the where the tube extends and connects to the other ship, and then yeah. like a series of lights, you know, all light up. And this was torches. Yeah, that yes. is hilarious. 
And how about their bridge with that like double staircase and like the painting? Oh man, I loved it. Yeah, that was great. I love the lady who kept dancing all the time. The Bond lady who was dancing all the dancing <laughs> girls. <laughs> she was she literally kept cavorting around the whole time. I, I watched the show and I always take notes and and I wrote down three things that one was the royal copulation, and then I wrote a comment threesome question mark excavation right. And then I love the thing, the dragon blood's flame. Oh, I mean the primary fusion fluid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like when Rutherford was like the the elf mainframe or whatever. He's like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought the 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 thing that I really enjoyed was the minstrel who disrupted the com badges by playing his lute. Yes, yes. I yep, thought yeah. that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I and I like that when she showed up, when his mother showed up, we should say, you know, she's very Loxana Troyish, but they acted like mm. she, she's a regular. You know, she they acted like this is like the next episode where she shows up. They weren't really yeah. introducing her so much. So I'm hoping she comes back. You know? Yeah, I uh, would imagine so. Yeah, I, I would like to see more of her. Mm -hmm. Now she was played by Paul Shear, who plays Billups, his his real life wife. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Nice. So I actually thought it might be his wife when he when she first started talking. It wasn't until like when they came back for the commercial break. His wife. What you thought the character might be his wife? Yes. Oh, okay. I was yes. like, how do you on earth would you know how what his wife sounds like? <laughs> you know that voice sounds like it's probably married to the voice of Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's right? a, what a what a catch. That <laughs> is uncanny. That's a catch. <laughs> that you were able to suss that out is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of wondering the whole point of the whole point was he has to keep his virginity. Yeah. Uh, if he loses his virginity, he automatically becomes king of his planet. I kind of got to wonder if he's like a hundred light years away, how would they know? Thank you. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, these people might be telepathic uh, in the sense of, you know, like being able to sense the presence of virginity. You know what though? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it could just be that Billups is the kind of guy who would feel like he has to go back and tell them. Yeah. You know, wow. He seems like a, an ethical responsibility kind of a guy. But also, yeah. how does that kind of how does that kind of procedure develop? I mean, that's such a strange, <laughs> right. you know, uh, prerequisite for, you know, changing the monarchy. That's just wacko. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because I'm thinking what happens on Riza stays on Riza, you know, so <laughs> mm, true. <laughs> yeah. And what about holodecks? Yeah, you go. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. They've been I mean, used is, for is his virginity holographic? Yeah. <laughs> what is, and what if he just watches like the Gorn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not the Gorn. Sorry, the Mugatu. Mugatu. Sorry. I knew um, it. Yeah, the Mugato. <laughs> Mugato, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it seems good like that he's not trying to remain celibate to avoid the throne. It seems like he just has no interest in that. Yeah. That he's just like I didn't yeah. get anything that he was tempted. You know what I mean? By no. the flesh or anything like that. It seems like, to <laughs> yeah. me like he's, that's just not his thing. That's possible. Yeah. 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 And I thought if you, if you take the show for halfway seriously for a moment and think along that way, which is hard to do to a certain extent, but to your, but to the point I was thinking if this guy was a prince of an entire planet and then he goes to Starfleet, well, he obviously has just worked his way up because the Cerritos is not galaxy class starship you know it's not one of the big ships and it's not like he went anywhere and said hey i'm a prince you know treat me special he's 
he's an engineer on a middly important ship, which I thought was interesting. And I love his line where he basically said, who wants to live on a mystical dragon planet when you can uh, work on impulse engines? <laughs> wow. <laughs> he really loves his work. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not even that big a Renfest person, but I wouldn't mind having a pet dragon. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I did think. I, I cannot I, eat the cats. Yeah, yeah, I'm not well, a cat person, but I, I wouldn't. Oh, I would, Charles I would, would be feeding. Uh, Charles would be like, hey, you want have, a cat? I wouldn't have cats and a dragon. That doesn't seem wise. Uh, <laughs> I was figuring that's you were going to say that's no, why you want a dragon. It's going to be an either. Uh, no, it's going to be an either or thing. I think if you have cats or a dragon. Yeah, I don't think that would that would go well together. <laughs> uh, but then meanwhile, we had um, Mariner and Ruth or Mar Mariner and Rutherford, Mariner and Boimler. Um, and Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. <laughs> the return of Jeffrey Combs. And I thought it was a great return. Yeah. Yeah. You know, last, last year they had JG Hertzler in sort of a small role as like an alien captain, but I wasn't really featured, but I thought they did. Yep. They, they really gave Jeffrey Combs a big part. Yep. Definitely. I was really a, a big fan of, um, I don't know. I, I guess this would be the B story yeah. where Billup and his people are the A story. Um, right. but they sort of had equal weight, so I'm going to call mm -hmm. it a a point two. I don't know. Anyway, so but I really enjoyed this thread with um, you know, this sort of like combativeness between uh, our two lead characters and that whole like you know the the typical switcheroo that they do at the end where you know Mariner is always right and Mariner is always the one in charge, and then in this case, it's actually not her. And it's Boimler, and he pulls one over on her in order to pull one over on the computer. Right. Yep. I loved right. it. I loved it. I, and I liked him kind of having the opportunity to put her in her place. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, to show her, I'm, I'm not the stupid kid that you think I am. Yeah. He's, I loved it. He really is gaining experience as he goes yeah. along and growing up. And I thought it was a great follow-up to last week where, I mean, I think early season one Boimler would have fallen in with the red shirts and really bought into their stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, early season one Boimler probably would have got suckered by this computer. Yes. Yes. You know, um, yes. so I, I think it's great that they're letting the characters grow. Absolutely. Because that's not something you typically think of in an animated show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I agree. And I think we've discussed before that at some point in the future, you can see Boimler, frank, you know, frankly, being a captain. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, Mariner is going to have to get her craft together. Because I will say, again, I know it was all done and fun. But when I thought when I realized that she had scrubbed his mission good mm -hmm. to go get the giant, yeah. that, that's really out of line. I mean, yeah. that would have pissed me off. Agreed. You know, like, yeah. yeah. And she goes, well, you're not ready. Well, you know, just because you keep passing up or getting demoted, you you want to be an ensign for the rest of your life. You know, he, and it's funny because I, I forget how long was he on the Titan? Cause he, is he, he's always saying what he did on Titan. Is he just goofing around? Or was he on there for a long time between seasons? I don't think I we really tell. know exactly how long he was there. Yeah. I yeah. don't remember what, what time references they may have given in the yeah. beginning, but uh, I mean, I love time to get some, some missions under his belt and get some yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and, and now I will, I will point out that Mariner was she she was scrubbed him from the mission because she thought he was going to die and get eaten by a centipede, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, this was her protecting a friend, right? Yeah, right. But I, I think anybody, though, if you found out that you were up for a big opportunity at work and your friend went behind your back to your supervisor and said he's not ready for that, right, would be understandably betrayed whether they're right or not, exactly. Right. So, I would, I would have liked a more, more of an acknowledgement of that from her that she's been in the wrong that she's you know yeah, absolutely but i maybe that's coming you know that she needs to learn that right. she, it's time to stop you know being maternal over boimler you know he's yeah. he's growing up and i think right. maybe that's where their relationship is going over the course of the season yeah maybe that's something that we'll get in the last episode or two yeah yeah 
I uh, to your point, I thought that what was the computer's name? Aga Agamus. Yes, Agamus. For a second, I wondered if he had actually created that that scenario where she scrubbed his mission. And then it turns out it was the truth because he got it <laughs> off her own pad. See, that's yeah. that's what I thought as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it seems like the kind of thing that it would do. Yeah, Agamus yeah. is pretty, exactly. pretty slippery character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like when she pulled the cord, he goes, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then from his mind, his eye view, you see the download complete. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, I love, I mean, that we, we got Landrew for a minute last season, but I, I thought this was a great continuation of that sort of storyline mm-hmm. of the, that the galaxy is just full of these evil computers that are <laughs> causing okay. problems. And-, and, and it's literally full of them because we saw a whole lineup <laughs> of them at the end, yeah. yes. which was hilarious. Yes. And they're trying great. to out evil each other. And I thought that yes. was just amazing. Did you notice did you- that one of the, are, are, you go ahead, Keith, because you might be saying the did- same thing I'm about to say. Well, speaking of what you said, Alan, did you see the label on the, on the, on the cell where they were? When he is that the same down? thing you were going to say, Charles? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Uh, I did they- not catch the label. When they locked him up at the end, um, the the you see the glass doors close. The label on the door says "self-aware mega self-aware mega megalomania self-aware <laughs> megalomaniacal computer storage," and that's what the that's what the ta- the, the tag says on the door: "self-aware megalomaniacal computer storage." <laughs> that's awesome. So what they I- have a whole division for those things. Oh yeah, naturally. And what I was going to say is that as it's pulling out at the end and all the different uh, sort of light eyes are, and one of them is the yes. CBS logo. Did you see the no. one of the CBS logo? No, this, where? One of, one of them has the CBS eye on it. You know, I, I did that. catch that, but I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't make the connection. Yeah. But I do remember seeing that now. I thought that oh, was cute. awesome. So they, they, they're kind of laughing at themselves. Yeah. Huh? They're poking a little fun. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that the facility they're at is the same one where Girardi was working in Picard. Mm-hmm. It's the Daystrom Institute in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Oh, it even looks right. like it. Yep. That's right. I wonder Good if part. those evil computers were still there when uh, she was. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess I just be. shut down the AI and not the evil computers. <laughs> Your phone's going off. Yeah, I know. I'm it's ignoring driving. it. I know, but you're talking at the same time, so it's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, well. We are all... Yeah, we are all red. Squ- we are all red squad tonight, boy. <laughs> but yeah, to your point about the distributor too, Charles, you can just we can go down the list and think about who else is in there. They might have M five stuck up in yeah. there somewhere. You know, Andrew, Andrew, yeah, they might have pulled him out, and put him in there. That crazy dragon computer thing on the Apple, they might have gone and pulled it out and stuck it in there. Uh, yeah. uh, Vol, Vol, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many that could go that could be in there. Oh yeah. And, and if he weren't, if he weren't totally virtual, Badgie could be there too. <laughs> oh yeah, Badgie. Yeah. Badgie's been quiet this year. Badgie <laughs> needs to make a comeback in the finale this year. Yes, He's lying in I wait agree. somewhere. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> I agree. He I might agree. be the one behind the pack leads. Ooh, what if that? Oh, oh wow. my gosh. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm sure it's not, but I'm, what a, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I would love a novel now with Doctor Gerardi having to like deal with these evil mm-hmm. computers before Picard comes along. Right. I, I, I just love that they have this bank of them. It's just hilarious. <laughs> now they're all insulting and everyone going, no, I'm going to destroy the Federation. No, I'm going to destroy the Federation. And yeah. Agnes tells the guy next to him, he goes, why don't you deactivate yourself if you, can even, if you even know how to do it? And the other one goes, you suck. And then they just all start fighting. 
yeah that was good one thing this this episode didn't have a whole lot of things that you expect from lower decks like callbacks right. to other shows and yeah. references there were a, there was a, a few but really right. it, it it was a tr- almost a truly standalone episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, I noticed that too. There was, I mean, uh, you get the occasional reference to like seven of nine. But, yeah. Or right. Data's Nothing. head. But, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Data's yeah. head. That was, that was great. That was funny. <laughs> but, but as from what we've seen in previous episodes, this was really like continuity light. Yeah. It really mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed I thought- it. I did too. I thought it was funny when they started and, they, and they're on the planet where they got Agamus and it's just this devastated. And the guy goes, thank you for, for this hundred years of the, of the war that he's caused. And then the captain goes, well, you know, some people always blame it on the supernatural. And then you see behind it, there's pictures of them basically bowing and worshiping him. And he goes, ha ha, yeah, imagine that. Yeah. So <laughs> they had worshiped him. <laughs> I thought it was fun. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. It was enjoyable. And I, I liked the planet that they were on. Just great visuals. You had like mm-hmm, the yeah. Aurora Borealis sort of effect mm-hmm. in the sky and then, mm-hmm. you know, creatures popping out all over the place and attacking them. Crabs. Right. You're right. Right. I love the crabs. But it, but back to the Renaissance ship, I thought that, you know, that was kind of on par with some of the uh, really creative and inventive visuals that we got on the original animated series. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. where it was clearly trying to be 100% Star Trek, but show Star Trek in a way that it had never been shown before, mm-hmm. and to use the medium in which it existed to really like expand the world and the look of the world. And I really thought that that was the case in this episode too. Yeah, I thought so too. You get a lot of. Like, like I said before, characters that have like, you know, period costumes on Star Trek, but that's usually because they're just raiding the, the vault. You know, what are yeah. they, we've got gangster outfits, everybody's a gangster this week, but you, right. but you don't get that sort of ornate <laughs> spaceship a lot, you know, on yeah. the old, old Trek. So I thought it, that's a great use of the animation. Uh, and I loved all the different paintings of billups that were. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, were around yes. that was great. But I don't, I don't guess any, any of us fell for the ruse. No one thought Rutherford died this week. No, 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 no. Yeah. I did think it was a it was a it was a great cliffhanger you know, going into a, you know, quote unquote commercial break. Right. It was mm-hmm. a great moment. And I loved uh, Tindy being able to have sort of that moment. That's not the the silly or the you know, I, I, I liked her having some weight in the characterization and the performance. Um, and, you know, there was a, and it and it definitely carried weight with it, even though, you know, he's not gone. Right. Right, you know, right. it's not like Shaq's at the end of the last season. Yeah. You know, right. which we we knew he was gone, and it still turned out to not be the case. Yeah. <laughs> or at least not for very long. That's true. Right. <laughs> we had a few times this season so far where Tendy and Rutherford and Tendy's, you know, um, like she was freaking out and early in the season chasing him around the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, do we think he's building it towards something this season? Is she? Is there like a, a Tendy and Rutherford like romantic moment coming up? I hope not. I hope it's just best friends. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm against romance or anything, but yeah. I just, I just don't need that to be the case every time two people, you know, are close. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just leave it. Just leave it, best friends. The way she was acting at the end, I couldn't tell because you know they were basically. I'm having to paraphrase here. They were basically saying, "This is just what happens when you're on you're in Starfleet," and mm-hmm. yeah, and and the, the look on her face of terror to that, I couldn't tell. Is that because she is afraid of losing a man she loves, or just because he's a good friend? I couldn't tell. Or I think just- it's her realizing that a lot of these people that she knows are going to die and mm-hmm. die around her not necessarily mm. eventually die and she's not right there like 
people are going to die like right in front of her. Like literally right. sometimes because she's in medical. Yeah. No, that's a good point too. Yeah. yeah. Unless she gets lucky and dies first and then doesn't have to see <laughs> the other people die. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a little dark and a little twisted. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the thing. I guess to this point, you know, if that's, that, maybe that's something she never thought about. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of the... Um, Gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the episode. I love the episode. It's in TNG. It's the episode with a starship Yamato, a contagion. Contagion. Oh. Um, and at the beginning of the episode, well, the early in the episode, the starship Yamato blows up. It's an amazing scene. And there's a scene later where Wesley Crusher comes in to talk to Picard about um, the, what happened. And what you find out as they're talking, Picard basically finally says, why don't we talk about what you came in here to talk about? And Wesley's this young acting incident at that time. And Lily, he just watched the ship of 1,100 men, women, and children blow up in front of him. And he's having a really hard time dealing with the death he just saw. Mm. And I always loved that because at the time, and he said, uh, he tells Picard, he said, you and Commander Riker and Jordy, you just go on like nothing happened. And the card says, no, that's not it. We're trained to do this. And so I, I kind of thought about that with the whole thing with Tendi, because it's not like, you know, they don't care, but to what you're saying, Veronica, you know, she's having to reach, she's having to get to that realization of people are going to die. And how do I handle that? You know, what mm -hmm. do I do? And what if it's somebody close? And then frankly, she has to think, what if it's me? Uh, so and also, like you said, Alan, there was a lot of seriousness dropped into this show for a mm -hmm. comedy show. There were some really serious moments here where I, I actually had to think about it and thought, oh, it's mm -hmm. very interesting points going on here. Yeah, I think it's interesting about what we were talking about, the lack of uh, callbacks and references to other things, is that the show is now establishing itself to the point where it can, it doesn't need those things. Mm -hmm. right. You know, it's almost like that was, you know, a crutch. Uh, you know, it was a way to hook you know, mm -hmm. existing fans in, and it doesn't need that anymore. It has its own identity. It, it could do a whole episode that doesn't reference any other known thing, and it would be absolutely fine. That's true. And, it's, and it doesn't feel like you've lost anything. Yeah. Right. No, because the, the characters are really good, and they're developing them in a, in a really nice way, in a really believable way. So I, I think that it's, it's just growing in strength, this whole mm. series. Yeah, I agree with that. I like it when shows stand on their own. One of the reasons I like Enterprise so much, even though that some, a lot of it doesn't work perfectly, is Enterprise created storylines and sometimes races that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I loved it when they didn't do callbacks. Most people think the fourth season of Enterprise is the best because it has so many callbacks and Manny Cotto was running it. I don't love it the most because it's so many callbacks in the fourth season, you know? Well, but they knew they were up against the wall and they yeah. knew that they, that there was a lot of stuff that had been sort of like intended to happen right. in, or over the course of the season, a series that had not happened. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like they just jam packed as much as they could into yeah. that fourth season. And it is a bit much. It, it's over. Exactly. You know, so. but I think that at the same time, what I love so much about season three is that it completely goes into its own brand new territory. Right. Um, I, man, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of that whole Zindi war arc. I think that's a, great great season yeah and to your point and dovetailing off of that to your point i i, I think that it, the lord decks has so many ways we can go and just be its own thing yeah that I, i'm really excited about that i still want to see what happened to the titan i mean oh, what's going <laughs> oh, on you over will. there so you so will much. don't worry <laughs> yeah i like that you know they're, they're developing things like the like the pack leads and you know yeah. revisiting things and and putting new spins on them 
Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would like to see them also, like like you said, adding stuff to the Star Trek continuity. You know, yep. adding new species. I think I think right. up to this week, I think the most memorable species they've created is the Dopplers or the Duplers. I'm Duplers. sorry, Duplers. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'll, I wouldn't imagine the, the Crystal folks aren't going to like stick in people's minds for 50 right. Years, you know right. what I mean? Right. Right. Okay, do anybody have any closing thoughts on that before we move on to the next thing? Uh, one other real quick thing I want to comment what you guys said, too, is like I said, since this animation, I love animation, and Alan, you and Charles will talk about the animation. The 30-second scene where Mariner and Boimler crashed was gorgeous. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The yeah. explosion and the ship falling through the air, like, whoa, it caught me off guard. That's that re- a whole lot yeah. of extra work. And that, that yeah. reminds me that I intended to bring up that this episode actually had some believable drama. It had it had yeah. action scenes that really drew you in and it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was from an animated show. Right. It absolutely. had it had possible consequences. And I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a good show, fun show, dramatic show, and gorgeous looking show as always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where they're we got three episodes left this season. I'm interested to see where they oh, go with it. I've, God, I can't believe we only got three. Yeah. If they fly by. Yeah, you do. Alan, I asked guys last week, do you do you even look to see what's coming next week? The next week is I have no clue what's happened with Lower Decks. I go in completely blind. I typically don't. Mm. If they like uh, dis- uh, Discovery shows that don't, does, does Discovery show a trailer at the end of each episode or does it not? I don't remember. I don't think if they does. show me a trailer, I will watch it. Yeah. But that's it. I don't really, I don't really know, you know, what. Like we knew that Jeffrey Combs was going to be playing an evil computer. I had mm-hmm. no idea in what episode. I didn't know what part of the season. I just figured I will see it when it happens. Uh, so that's why I'm so I, I'm, I'm excited because like uh, Charles was saying, we got three episodes to do all kinds yeah. of stuff, and I have no clue what's coming. And I'm just going to try. I mean, to keep I don't it think way. they've really said anything about what's coming. I don't think that they've given us uh, any hints, unless there's some scene in a trailer that you know, a, a really small moment that right. we haven't gotten in an episode yet. That would be the only clue we have. Yeah. Right. Or there's maybe something in one of the trailers that um, they're not actually going to use. And it was just put there to trick you. <laughs> yes, that does happen. It better not it be that Pandronian. Less- that Pandronian better show up on this show. <laughs> Darn right. I'm going down there, buddy. That's so that's the one thing that we know is happening sometime in the next three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. So did we, did we have a question of the week this week, Alan? We we do. I'm not really sure how this one is gonna go. Okay. So uh Intriguing. but well, you know, I've got a number of ones to pick from that uh various people have pitched to us. And our our friend Vandy Breath. Vandy Beth Glenn uh, threw a, like five or six of them at us. So um, thank you, Vandy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of hers that she put, uh, put to us three or four weeks ago, well, maybe three weeks ago, um, really reminded me of something in this episode uh, at the beginning uh, where uh, Mariner says, so what is the difference between a phaser and a phase rifle? Mm-hmm. And well, you know, clearly one is one hand and one uses two hands. Um, so weeks ago, when we first introduced this question of the week thing, Vandy Beth Glenn posed, how do phasers and disruptors differ? Now, the obvious answer is one phases and one disrupts. Yeah. So is there any other technical thing that we can think of that would explain the difference between these two? I actually don't know how disruptors work. That's funny. I am. 
I do know it's so funny with phasers, phasers look like lasers. And of course, yeah. they were modeled on lasers. Yeah. But I know that way back when, when I read one of the technical manuals, they said it was some particle called a nadion, I think. It was a nadion beam. And originally what I read was that they disrupted the molecular bonds in materials. It basically caused the electrons and the molecules to literally float apart. So they were almost mm -hmm. literally dis disintegrating you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how disruptors work because I think going back well, that to the That sounds like a good description of a disruptor. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. they're disrupting the bonds. <laughs> yeah, that, that right. sounds like that's what I would assume a disruptor would do. Yeah. Yeah, because Klingons use disruptors, right? Klingons and Romulans and do also. Romulans. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody else uses disruptors. Disruptors sound more violent to me. They do. They they sound they truly more truly do. Like you're it could just be a culture thing. It could be. But I yeah. and I, I know that originally um the idea for for laser or phasers came from phased laser was mm -hmm. they exactly got the, the idea right. for phasers. So um yeah, I don't know that the whatever the in-universe technical, you know. Did let me think. Do do disruptors stun? Have we ever seen a disruptor stun someone? I don't think they have a different setting. They have their like one setting. Like it shoots you like a gun, yeah. right? Yeah. Does anybody know if, uh, can you think of an example of someone getting stunned with a disruptor? Or what about disintegrated? I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't think of anybody getting stunned with a disruptor because now I'm thinking about all times Klingons and Romans that shot at somebody. They pretty much killed them or they missed. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, wharf ducks in time and they, they don't get him. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is a question that when she sent to me, I thought, okay, that's a that's an interesting one. I figured it was one that I would uh like let you guys know ahead of time that I was this was going to be the question for this week. Yeah. Um, but then today's episode reminded me of this question so <laughs> not, there was no chance to give you any forewarning so that we could actually do some kind of research or something so we couldn't google phasers versus lasers right. phasers versus disruptors before we started right exactly <laughs> and then to throw another monkey into that wrench if i'm not mistaken the episode um my goodness uh the episode uh, uh a taste of armageddon okay yeah. okay the episode where the two planets have been at war for 500 years and yep. everything was fought by oh yeah yeah computers yep. uh anon seven was trying to hit the enterprise with planetary disruptor banks yeah and that's actually and, yeah, where the where the disruptors came from the klingon disruptors were a modification of uh the disruptors from that episode if you look at the hill really they just don't have the little the, the little right. piece on it that's right yeah but but what threw me about that episode is when uh a, when a when a blast was coming the guy on the bridge who's telling them, them that the blast was coming, he mentioned it in decibels, almost like they were hitting them with sonic blasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he actually mentioned it in decibels. So I used to always think disruptors were, son were sonic weapons. I don't think they are, but that episode made me think they were just some kind of ultrasound weapon. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could, the this disruption could be like something that mm -hmm. jars you so much, like teeth shatteringly, but but like on a greater scale. That it just like makes all your bits fall apart. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want that to happen. The little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the little guitar on this episode was a sonic weapon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, actually, I, but, Sonic. Right. Yes. Exactly. Like a Sonic screwdriver. No, no. So <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, when we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons, I used to play bards all the time. So huh. I was like. 
that's my bard character taking out the, you know, the, the snotty good guys and their stupid communicators. That's me with the power of music. That's what I like to play too. Yeah. Not not D and D, but other role play things. Okay. Bards. I like bards. Okay. Yep. So I guess if we had to take a guess, we could, I would think that maybe phasers are still kind of focused energy beams akin to lasers, but different mm-hmm. that that tend to maybe do more things like burn and cut through things and disruptors, maybe actually disrupt molecular bonds. And maybe disruptors may even have a, a greater field of influence. If you even compare them to sound, they may be able to they may be able to they may not need to be as focused as a beam as phasers may be to do the same amount of damage if they can just disrupt uh, pawns. Mm. I think if I had to choose, I would get shot by a phaser instead of a disruptor. Yeah, because because we know they have stun settings. Yeah, well, that's true. Although we can although we can always go through the, to that. You can always go through that history of Star Trek where I remember with a kid, I used to be confused because you know sometimes somebody would get shot with a phaser and they just fall down and die, and then sometimes somebody gets shot with a phaser and they turn the light and literally be uh, mm-hmm. disintegrated. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. I used to go, "Wow, was that overkill? What was that all about?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I liked it um, when Doctor Crater, Professor Crater, got. He was like drunk afterward and had that weird like, deep voice. Uh, I wish they would do that more. I can't <laughs> right. believe we're thinking about the same thing, Charles. Because do you remember when it hit him? They had that weird ricochet sound. Yeah. And he and he, it would. I can't do the sound, but he shot him, and he goes. Pew! The sound yeah. was. Pew! And he yeah. falls back. And like, what the heck kind of phase? You're right. And then he yeah. goes, I can't. He goes, Oh, it's hard to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I want to say thank you to Vandy Beth Glenn for sending us a great question. Yes. yes. And if anybody else is interested in pitching a question to us, it can be something silly, something serious. Um, uh, you can email us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com, or you can find us on our Facebook group and pitch it there or message us on Facebook and we will get it. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Oh, I don't know. Um, so uh, we got cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. Uh, we are about to uh, release our very first novel. It's by a, a, a new author. Um, her name is Rebecca Mabry, and the book is called The Mad King, and it will be out pretty soon. Um, I plan on debuting it at uh, Conjuration in November, but it'll be out before then. Uh, that'll just be the first time uh, that we'll be able to like be at a convention promoting the book. Um, so it should be, I'm hoping it'll be beginning of October that it'll be actually be out. Awesome. Um, so just head to cosmicpress.com and see more about that. Nice. Wow. How about you, Keith? Um, you can find me on Instagram and on the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Beltnerdy.com. Yep. Now take it to our Facebook page. You can also visit us on Instagram, YouTube, um, anywhere else. LinkedIn. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. All right. You got an outro for us, Veronica? Yeah. You've been (laughs) boimed. Right on. Perfect. Right on. Love it. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.